I I only saw this because it's like on Twitter or whatever. But like the specifically the model that they are using for Peter Griffin in Fortnite is like a buff Peter Griffin. Welcome to Crying in the Book Club, the hit new podcast where three emotional friends talk about comic books that make them emotional. I am your host, Emily, and I am here, as always, with John Luke. Hi, John Luke. Hi, Emily. How's it going? Hi, yeah, I'm doing all right. And uh, we're also here with Alex. Hi, Alex. Hey, Emily. How goes? How goes? Indeed. Hmm. Uh late night recording uh at least for us it's early for me Seven fifteen, baby well y- you live uh two hours away from me and that i think i live a lot more than two hours alex. away from you and i definitely well, live I, I meant... two hours away from alex <laughs> that's not what i meant uh i, I tried to go see alex earlier this year and it would have taken me way more than three hours to get there so i meant time zones <laughs> i'm and i'm, I'm Jedlik also would have had I'm to watch Overwatch. So. Yeah, that would have been unfortunate. But I, yeah, that would have sucked. Womp womp. Uh, we are here to talk about the hit comic book, Invincible. And so we're going to be uh, doing spoilers for the first three volumes of Invincible. What? What issue does that go up to? Does Fifteen, I think. Okay. I think they're five issue. Tra- I think they're five issue trades. They are very short, <laughs> easy breezy, beautiful cover girl trades uh, to read. We sure. might also spoil stuff beyond uh, volume three because there's a question that Emily put in the document about Invincible getting bad, which oh. <laughs> so you know, I I might have to say some things about things that happen later in Invincible, sure. but also we might talk about more Invincible at some point. So maybe I'll sure. save it. But. Yeah, I, you know, that was just, I was trying to come up with questions and that was just uh, something I read. That I, no, I, no, it's I read a good question. Volumes, it's something it gets already weird. So it's something that I was curious about because I did only, I only read the three volumes that we said we were going to read for this uh, episode. And that's all that I've read. And that's all that the first season of the animated show covers, which is. Oh, really? Yeah, I uh, have not. Oh my god, I nailed it. I haven't haven't seen the animated series, but I I just nailed it with what I. Oh uh, yeah, you really did. Decided to read. Uh, like the I yeah like the uh if I remember correctly, it has been a little bit since I watched the last episode of season one of Invincible, and I uh have not been keeping up with the new season for uh various reasons, but um. I I intend to watch it at some point. I just haven't gotten to it. But uh, yeah, I am pretty sure that it's about the same ending. So that's nice. fun. Uh, but yeah, we, we're talking about Invincible, uh, a coming of age uh, superhero comic written by Robert Kirkman and illustrated by Corey Walker and Ryan Otley. Uh, published by Image Comics from January 2003. 
to February 2018. That's a long ass time. Uh, the series is known for its graphic violence. We don't have a lot of background info on Invincible. I, you know, I, I mostly did like some cursory uh, wiki reading and stuff. If there's anything in like interviews about the origins of the ideas for Invincible or whatever, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I didn't find it in my very basic research. Uh, She didn't want to abuse our research intern and make them, you know, go out and do in-depth, you know, groundwork to get back on info, which fair enough. It's, it's nice. At least one of the hosts has like some respect for labor standards. When I'm the host, I'm whipping that guy like, 18 hours a day doing research on the on the background for books which is it sometimes comes up with gems like the fact that you know the the writer of the crow you know was the guy who gave my chemical romance their first shot at a record label but That's you know true. sometimes you don't get anything out of it so i i could have i, I could have gone through and read some robert kirkman interviews but i figured like if there was nothing written about the background of the comic on like the wikipedia page or the fan wiki like yeah, like h- how much could there really be out there? I guess uh, some, you can find some crazy shit in archive.org interviews with some people with some comic book writers. But that's yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe he's I mean, never yeah. talked about Invincible. He's probably too busy talking about The Walking Dead. I mean, honestly, that's fair. Um, but yeah, so uh, as far as like the the plot of invincible uh it is about mark grayson the son of omni man the most powerful superhero on the planet mark and his father are uh it's it's viltramites uh i'm gonna have to say that a lot i guess uh they're extraterrestrials from the planet viltrum uh although mark has a human mother his dna is essentially pure viltramite uh i guess i i mean that's what that's what Omni Man says, and you know, I don't know that I. I guess I'm inclined to believe him on that point, but you know, what can we really? Uh, what can we really know? It is more or less true that Viltrumite semen is so powerful that it overwrites ev- any other piece of like DNA that it interacts. That is with. what he says for sure, and I guess like we have no reason to take <laughs> and, that as uh, you not know why canonical. Because there's a line where Omni-Man is like, you know, on Vil- on Viltrum, we don't have sex for pleasure. It's just purely for recreation. So he was just like a god of semen retention until he met his human wife. And yeah, that just I... made his, his sperm so strong that he yeah. produced a child with, despite mating with a human, the child had no human DNA. Mm-hmm. So... If you want to create a clone of yourself, you should, you know, just retain for decades or centuries and you can do that Thank that's God what i learned I from don't want to have children <laughs> uh when mark starts displaying powers of his own at age 17 his father reveals their alien origins and takes mark under his wing to become the hero invincible the first three volumes focus on Mark learning the ropes of becoming a superhero, both his own and both on his own and as backup for Omni Man. Uh, over the course of these three volumes, uh, challenges Mark faces include discovering his physics teacher has been turning some of his fellow students into human bombs. 
preventing the creation of an army of robots, fighting and then befriending a representative from the Coalition of Planets, who is my favorite character, spoiler uh, for another question that I'm going to ask later, my favorite character, my boyfriend, Alan the Alien. Uh, and also Mark learns the horrible truth about why his father really came to Earth. The last volume we read ends with Omni-Man having fled Earth with Mark taking up his father's position as a superhero working with the United States government. I forgot to add that the reason that Omni-Man fled Earth is that he basically slaughtered the entire uh, Justice League in-universe Justice League uh, as part of his plan for the Viltrumite invasion. I had like a note about the invasion in there at one point and I meant to rewrite it and I think I just never put it back in. But uh, yeah, so that's volumes one through three of Invincible. So what is everyone's respective history with this comic? I had not read it. I had only watched uh, season one of the animated show and I was interested in reading some of the comics. So that's why I put it on our list. And that's why we read it. No, Alex is shaking his head. No, no history with Invincible. Um, I had seen clips on Twitter of the animated show. Um, specifically the one where Ultraman kills a bunch of people, including the yeah. fish guy. I think he puts like a, like a fist, fist through his head or something. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. And I'd heard about Invincible before, but I, I read the first 100 <laughs> issues of The Walking Dead, I think. I had mm-hmm. two, of those, two of those big compendiums. And Invincible was always the... Like, for me, it was always the B-series. I'm like, why would you read The Invincible when you can read The Walking Dead? Um, you know, really Robert Kirkman doesn't even care about that series. But... <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, he, he cared about it enough. That. He there cared is some enough truth to that. To to write 144 issues or something like that. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But yeah, no, no real idea of what the quality of this would be either. Like I liked The Walking Dead when I read it. I haven't read it in probably like eight years or something. Um, but yeah, I was I went into it sort of like skeptical and expecting to see a lot of gore, and I didn't see as much as I was expecting to. So. Yeah, the <laughs> I read Invincible uh, until the very bad scene that is notorious that I assume neither of you know about. Uh, and then, like oh many people, I stopped reading Invincible shortly after that happened, oh which was like issue hundreds, early hundreds. If uh, I so remember if I ju- to ask you when this episode is done recording, will you I, tell me what the scene is? I can tell you what it is. I, c- I can say it when we get to talking about this book becoming very, very bad. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, sure. sure. Yeah. But, we, we can do um, that. It's not funny. Uh, sure. It, no, it, I just like my curiosity will kill me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I read I binge read like the first seventy or eighty issues of Invincible in like twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen or, or something like that. Probably twenty fourteen. I can see then, how because like these yeah. first three volumes are like incredibly. I mean, it's yeah, awesome. They're, they're short, but like, I, but they're also like really easy to read. Like, oh yeah, the just- the first I want to say maybe forty fifty issues are very reminiscent of like. Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man and and sort of stuff like in that oeuvre of like early two thousands comics. I, or... 
I saw, uh, like, I briefly skimmed past, like, a Goodreads uh, review of one of these volumes where uh, someone described Invincible as uh, what would happen if Peter Parker became Superman. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. It's, it's I thought like, that, was, that was a cute way of describing yeah, this. Yeah, it's, it's super accessible for new readers. Uh, it's, like clearly written for a younger audience. Like I think when Robert Kirkman writes this, he's a younger dude. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, obviously younger than he is now, but like, I think he was probably in his twenties or so when he wrote invincible. Um, So it's like super easy to get through and like to just shotgun a bunch of it. Like I read the first three volumes and I was like, Oh my God, I forgot this book used to be good and read like (laughs) another volume and a half afterwards because I was, I was like, yeah, this, I, Invincible for a long time is is a really awesome book. I I agree with Alex that it's always had the reputation as like the B tier Robert Kirkman book. Like The Walking Dead was always like, and I think this is in part because of the TV show, but also just because it was like grittier and more serious. Like Invincible is funny uh, for a lot of its a lot of its early run. Um, it is like kind of irreverent about uh, like the the superhero the like DC and Marvel superhero comics lore. I mean like the big twist is that you have this great issue where they set up like these, this is our fake justice league. Look how awesome they are. And then they just all get butchered at the end. And like, they you know, sure do. which is when you're like 17, you're like, that's so cool. Like how, how did Robert Kirkman get away with that? And even now I'm like, that's still like a great twist. Like you, you, you I, I love that issue. Um, So I, I don't know. Like I, I have a long history with invincible. I, I kind of just, was so out of it um, that I had no interest in watching the TV show. I still kind of don't, but uh, after reading this, I'm a little more inclined to go back and watch it because it was kind of a reminder. Like, this book gets so dour, and I don't want to dwell too much on stuff we didn't read, but this book gets so dour and, like, becomes such a slog uh, later on in its run that, like, it's nice to be reminded that, yeah, this book was really good at one point, and there's a reason that I... Read it, read a lot of it, and liked it a lot when I was younger. Yeah, I basically like I had never heard of this book before uh, the animated show came out. Like, not even like, not even like when it was announced or anything. Like, literally, like the show came out, and this is how I found out about Invincible. Uh, just, and, huh. and I would like, I read a lot of the walking dead when I was in, uh, like late high school or like, uh, early, like community college. I read a lot of the walking dead, but like, I just never, it, it really surprises me because I feel like this was something that like, if you were around comics at all, like in the, especially in like the late 20, 2000s, early 2010s, like you would have it heard just, about it, but yeah. No, just somehow just never was on my radar at all. Like at all. Uh and so I I watched this show because I I wasn't like that interested in watching the show, but then I was like uh hanging out with a couple of friends and one of them had wanted to watch the first episode of Invincible, so like they put it on and uh the uh i guess spoiler for the show um but the end of the first episode is when they do the like when you see the twist of omni-man like killing the justice league uh oh wow 
That's so, that's so soon. It's that's yeah. Soon. I also having read the Kong now feel like it's like super soon. Like it's it doesn't feel that bad when you're watching the show because like that's just sort of like I it, that's kind of your like you get like that gut punch at the end of the episode like oh this is what you're in for with invincible is like you're occasionally going to get this intense gore uh and so it, like it kind of works but i also feel like it's super soon and i wish that they had maybe done something else it feels like they put that in there for like the shock value i know that they like debuted that clip at like a comic-con and robert kirkman was like super delighted about it because it's fucking the 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 way that they do this the scene is fucking brutal um is it cool Uh, honestly like I, i mean the show is good like i can't I can't deny that, like, I really enjoyed watching season one of the show. So like, it's uh, it's it's way more like it, it's like yeah. a good two minute scene, whereas this one I think it takes place across like, like two pages or something. Like it's not a lot at all. In the yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty. Gr- it's pretty gratuitous in the show, and and it is like it serves as like your moment of like something's fucked up with. I I don't even I don't remember exactly how it plays out because it's been. Uh, like two years since I watched the first episode but um I so it's like your first moment like something's fucked up with Omni-Man and also like that this show is gonna probably go places that you don't expect a brightly colored uh superhero show to go so you know like I don't know it kind of works I kind of wish that they had gone about it a little differently I think they uh, wait till issue 11 until they show Omni Man doing it in the it's comics, the, yeah, it is. It's it's the end of the second arc. But you have like but there are like you. Before well, then. you know they're dead on in issue seven. You don't know how they died though. I think is the well, it, what I remember, yeah, right? It, it, it obviously it hints at it being Omni Man because mm-hmm. he keeps doing that thing where he like it, he's like, oh, I have to talk to Mark about something, but he won't say what. Yeah. Uh and then it does the the misdirection with the butler character. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it it kind of tries to keep it, it its cards closer to the chest, but yeah, it doesn't actually do the full reveal until later. I think I remember reading it like I remember reading it the first time and I knew the twist going in. Uh but I was even I guess I didn't know the specifics. I knew that Omni-Man was evil and I remember mm-hmm. the first time I was reading it that like I thought that he didn't kill the guardians because I, I actually thought the twist would come later on, but mm-hmm. then the, you know, it obviously happens there. Um, yeah, I can't I, speak to the uh, show and how the show is paced, but it's like, feels weird to do it so soon because so much of those first few issues is like hinged on, well, th- this is mostly a normal family, right? Yeah. Where, you know, you have uh, two parents and a, and a son who mostly like get along and like each other and, you know, obviously he's the strongest person on earth, so he does some stuff I, that's pretty crazy, but there I mean, like, I should have maybe rewatched the first episode before I try to talk about it. But um there's like a half chance that they don't actually reveal that it's Omni Man in that first episode and they maybe just like Oh no, see, I'm like, I'm his, watching it right now. Or it, whatever, or do you see him? I like the, the Amazon Prime video is titled "The Totally Unexpected from Ending from Episode One of Invincible." Yeah, yeah, and that's you it. just see Omni Man at the end. Like, okay, 
Yeah, I you just, know, it, it's crushing been, the Flash's head. Well, not the Flash, but yeah. you know, between it's, his his his. It's been his two best. years since I watched that first episode, so I just literally I don't remember how the scene plays out. But yeah, okay, so yeah, that like they they pull the reveal super early, and it's super like edge lordy the way that it plays out um i you know i i still like i said i i enjoyed the show um so i didn't hate the i didn't hate the way it played out in the show but like reading the comic i kind of wish that they had held it a little closer to the chest a little longer because it also meant that because i had seen the show even if i had just watched episode one of the show and wanted to go read the comic like that reveal is just totally gone there were there was like no suspense lead up to that but um anyway yeah so um what what is you what are your guys's history with robert kirkman in, in general uh alex you said you read the walking dead yeah i read a hundred or so issues i i stopped reading walking dead at spoiler like the part where i think glenn, glenn dies, dies. Yeah. Yeah. Which was also just the part where the um the trade ended and the other one wasn't out yet, but it was like, yeah. oh okay. I don't yeah, know, I... like but by that point of Walking Dead I can't speak to Invincible. It was kinda like you're so deep, I don't there's 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 not really much more that it feels you can do. There's been so many major like bad guys and stuff that it's like, mm-hmm. huh, maybe this series should end. And I think what, Walking Dead got what, three hundred issues? Or am I thinking of something? Not, else? not quite that many. But it oh, got more um, than Invincible. By the way, I did well, the one ninety three. I did the math. uh, I meant to bring this up. I did the math and Robert Kirkman would have been 25 when Invincible was like beginning publication. So that's like where he was at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I also read The Walking Dead more a little further than Glenn dying. I read most of like the all out war arc, but I don't know. I I, kind of felt the same way about it as Alex at the time that like uh robert kirkman ran out of ideas at some point for the walking dead and it was all just like we're gonna have new versions of the governor or the governor who are more violent and more quirked up like we're just gonna get more quirked up white boys to do an extreme acts of violence and i'm like i'm in for that but you know not do something different yeah i I wish he made good on the april fool's issue where he revealed that it was like aliens who uh caused the virus but unfortunately oh i didn't know about that that. it's Uh, a great issue yeah coward um yeah i read i read a bunch of the walking dead i don't remember where the hell i fell off uh i don't think i made it to issue 100 exactly but like i feel like i got close uh i don't remember but um yeah i read a bunch of the walking dead uh like i said invincible was just not on my radar at all somehow uh yeah, I've read some of his more recent stuff, too. There was that book where there was, like, the sun went out or something. We read that for the comics podcast and then did not yeah. like it. It was called, like, Outcast or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's had, like, a couple new things now that Invincible and The Walking Dead are done, but, like, none of them have had the magic of the early days of those series, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's, I think like, you like know, a- more, more power to him for, like, making The Walking Dead, which probably made him, like, so many millions of dollars over oh all God, the TV rights and like literally you know. like that's gonna pay for everything for the rest of his life like yeah they're, and then they're s- never gonna stop making things of the walking dead even if there's not a show going 
You can yeah. watch the spinoff where Daryl somehow floats across the entire uh, Atlantic Ocean and winds up in France. I mean, that, that, that that's all I needed to know. That's, that's great. That's, that is real. That's fantastic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, that's wow. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, um, more power to him, I guess. Um, well, I mean, that's kind of what Robert Kirkman is mostly credited for is like developing the sort of uh, model of like, using image comics and other like creator owned stuff to create your own IP. And because there's no money in comics, you then mm-hmm. sell that IP to yeah. movie studios. I mean, Brian K. Vaughn did that Mark uh, Millar. on the same time. Was, that's like, I was going to say Mark Millar. Yeah. That's he's, Mark. He's Mark like Millar. a less shitty Mark Millar, you know, it's yeah. like kind of like the, the number one guy who's like really done that. Um, yeah. Which is know, like, like other, you, you got to give Mark Millar credit in some, respects for opening that pathway to creators but you don't have to give yeah. him any credit for any of the work he's done so uh, under no well, circumstances yeah, for some of the work but under no circumstances do you gotta hand it to mark millar oh mark millar yeah absolutely not oh, robert millar. kirkman i think i'll defend robert kirkman's early output sure as sure. Oh, we continue talking about invincible i will be defending it yeah today mark no, millar and, I, uh, and ethan van skyver had a nice uh, online interaction wait, uh, wait, Today? Wait, did they really? Today, yeah. There, I don't know. It was something like, I don't know. I think Ethan Van Skyver complimented him, and he was like, "Thanks, bud." So, I don't know. Doesn't have anything to do with it, but uh, invincible. Anyway, uh, yeah. No, I I really enjoyed. I I cannot overstate that I really enjoyed reading uh, these three volumes of Invincible. Uh, I had I had a grand old time. Um. Who who's you guys' favorite character in Invincible? There are a lot of characters, even though like there's only a, a couple like main characters, but we we have quite a cast of interesting people. I like the uh, the super secret, not CIA because he's higher than the CIA, and, the, and he talks to the president, but not always because um, sometimes the, sometimes the president doesn't know he's there. Cecil. Uh, yeah, he's great. Like after, yeah. after um, after our good friend Mark gets like this shit kicked out of him by his dad, Cecil comes and does this like three hundred word monologue to him about who he is and what he does. And uh-huh. Mark's just lying there, and he's like, "Oh, I'll come back later," because he's just like he just got the shit beat out of him by his dad, and he like totally didn't read the room. Um, yeah. He just hangs out. It's cool. Yeah, uh, Cecil's. I like Cecil. Um, oh, is it Cecil? I I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, Cecil, Cecil, whatever. I I've heard... he's not he's not real. So, well, I mean, there is also the animated show, which presumably has like a pronunciation, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah, I I I don't know. I I think that name can be pronounced either way. About I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, I like Mark. I my favorite character hasn't been introduced in these three volumes, but of the characters who have been introduced, I, I've I've always liked Mark. Like I think he's a great uh, superhero protagonist. I mean, kind of by the numbers in some ways in terms of like discovering his powers, but yeah. I find his you know sort of coming to terms with the reveal about his dad to be very compelling. Uh, not like some of that is here. It. it you know, goes on into the next few volumes as well, but I don't know. I always liked Mark. Uh, Who's your actual favorite a, character? That has uh, his yet. his brother, uh, who is well, his half brother, uh, who is uh, Omni Man's other son. Oh, who is, oh that uh, that's uh, fun. 
Yeah, so Omni-Man had another son with a woman of a different species. And the twist there is that, like, the other species ages faster than humans. And Omni-Man species ages slower than humans. Um, So he kind of ends up... I guess that was before Omni-Man really got into semen retention. So Oliver ages, like, at the pace of a normal... um, of a human. Yeah, I was well, going to say, like, he, the probably, of a human, then. he probably, like, uh, you know, yeah. s- splits the difference and age is normal. Yeah. Um, but I always, always liked him. Um, What's his name? He, Oliver. Uh, okay. He also is oh. Kid Omni-Man at one point uh in the comics so he's a he's he's a fun character i liked him a lot i like him a lot i think he gets introduced relatively shortly after what we read i I don't remember exactly but he's a he's a good character i like his relationship with mark it's that's fun a lot yeah Yeah, i like that um of the characters that we've been introduced to um I, it, well, I'm not, I don't say that as in, like, I have a favorite that hasn't been introduced because I've only read this, but um, just of, of the characters we have, I guess Mark probably because, like, he's just sort of best boy, but also um, I really like um, his gay best friend who hasn't come out as gay yet, I guess, or I don't know, he's gay in the TV show. Does he ever, is he gay in the comic at all? Can, can either of you verify <laughs> Is he? Who's uh, that? The, the William, best friend, right? William. Yeah. Yeah. No, he is gay in the comic. In the comic, okay. it, it, it happens. It does happen later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because so it, nice. it, it didn't happen in the volumes that we read. So like, I wasn't a hundred percent if that was like a an Amazon yeah, yeah. change or he, whatever. No, no, no. I guess they but just I like do him. that. I like him a lot. I think he's. You, uh, you, you like the whole bit where he like gets really mad when people ask if they can call him Will or Bill. Uh, no, this is actually, definitely a Robert I, Kirkman thing. No, I a hundred percent. Yeah, I I took I uh, took a screen cap of that and I posted on my comics Twitter. Uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's just Robert Kirkman working through his own shit about people wanting to call him Bob. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think stuff like that is fun, though. I think like that's a good microcosm of like the book's sense of humor in the early issues. That is like, I don't know. It's not yeah, like it's groundbreaking, very silly. but it's goofy in a way that I I do appreciate. Like, it's a nice bit of levity. Yeah, I I like even though it it like was kind of a moment that made me like kind of roll my eyes. I also enjoyed it. So you know. Um, what did you guys think of the art? There are two different artists in the uh, comics that we read, and uh, I don't know. I I I mostly like the art in Invincible. Some of the style sometimes is not like I kind of they they really smoothed out and but also kind of. Uh, I, I, they they smoothed out some of the kinks of the art style in making the the art for the animated show, but also kind of it has a little bit more of an air of like the uh, and John, you'll know what I'm talking about because uh, when I say the the house style for the DC animated films. Oh Jesus! I, it's not like I, I don't mean that in like a, like a bad way, but just they like the the way that they have translated the style looks a little bit more polished. The way that like those DC animated films are trying to be. 
Mm-hmm. But but what did you guys what do you guys think of the art in this book? Because like I actually when I was looking for uh for things to include in the notes, like I saw really uh polarized opinions on the art. It I, it seemed like there were people who either felt like it was like really good or like really bad. That's that that's kind of interesting because I feel like Ryan Otley is like beloved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he 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 does become the main artist. Like he draws everything after. I definitely. I think I volume saw, three it switches over. Uh, so at yeah. some point in volume two or three it switches to oddly. But yeah, like in the reactions, I saw that like people were like the second artist is so much better. Yeah, well, I don't think he's like so much better personally, but I do love Ryan Otley. I, yeah. I I think his style is really fun. It's like cartoony. He he's he's a good cartoonist. Like uh-huh. the book is cartoony when it needs to be. Yeah, uh, it doesn't like it, it looks like it, it uses like visual language that is recognizable as like being from superhero comics and inspired mm-hmm. by superhero comics, but not like you know it doesn't look like a Jim Lee book or. You know, it doesn't look like it's a Marvel House style kind of mm-hmm. kind of book, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, like it, it it's it, it it. I I really like his work. I think it's it's silly and fun when it needs to be. He, he's very expressive in terms of like drawing characters and the way that he has like characters act on the page, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is great for for superhero books. Yeah. Um, and he's really good at like the sort of melodrama stuff too. Like there's a lot of like scenes, especially of the mom where her body language is just very clear that she's like extremely over her son and husband oh. being superheroes. Oh um, my God. And I think that's fun. And I think mm-hmm. he's great at drawing action scenes too. Like I think there's a lot of like fight scenes that are really kinetic um, mm-hmm. and look really good. Uh, the speed, the use of like, I, very simple like speed lines is nice because it doesn't feel like they're like blowing up the page with them but it does convey motion in a way that i really like um yeah no i i i i i can say a lot of really good things about about ryan otley as an artist yeah i i really like his work um i'd I'd say all that and then just really cool designs for the superheroes that it makes them feel like you know clearly like justice league knockoffs but like still like super cool when they die it's like oh no and also, like, yeah, just just the villains he's got in there, and the, the everyday people, and um, I love the arc where the um, we already talked about it, but the teacher starts like putting bombs in kids and blowing them up. And then there's this, and then there's this guy who survives it all, but he's still kind of got like the bomb in him or like the the structure, and he's just walking around. He's just got like a metal uh, torso. He yeah. sure do. I, I agree with that. I really like that like a lot of the you know alien species that you see in some of the other superheroes are very like grokable they're very pulpy and recognizable in sort of like western pop culture Mm -hmm. um but still look really like really they have like they still have like really interesting looks and aesthetics um Mm -hmm. it's one of the things that like i think uh other books that are doing uh like trying to do like marvel or, or dc sort of analogs often can get wrong is that they either air too close to the original designs or they go maybe too far afield um or just in general like don't feel unique enough Mm -hmm. um there's a couple characters in the boys for instance that just look way too close to their analogs um i uh i have a question i I, we can kind of skip a little uh i I have a question here about like how you 
how you guys feel Invincible stacks up to uh, other, like, quote-unquote, realistic superhero comics like Watchmen and The Boys. Uh, I guess, like, those are the two, like, big examples I can think of, but I, you know, they're not the only it's it's weird to call it less cynical because i don't know what the hell happens here and omni man like kills a bunch of people and stuff but like you know mark being the the heart of this series it's like still like all the stuff he's through cynical than uh definitely the boys as a comic yeah and watchman's not exactly a a cheery trip (laughs) but it is less cynical than watchman as well oh yeah definitely way less cynical than the boys yeah. Um the the whole like like Omni-Man is very clearly like the Superman stand-in although mm-hmm. there's also the Immortal who is kind of another Superman stand-in. Sure. Uh but I think because of the way the reveal works in this book and how early on it is like within the first dozen or so issues like you never really get that true you never really get the true like analogs for, you know, well-known DC characters like I mean, they all get killed off at the the Guardians all die immediately. Mm-hmm. Like there's very there's like a Martian Manhunter, a Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. Well, the Aquaman one is very obviously just like a joke about how stupid Aquaman is, which is funny. But you never really get that. It's kind of like you instantly get moved towards like the second generation of superheroes, which yeah. is I think a very compelling way to do it. Uh like, I kind of like it. That is sort of also the Watchmen thing where you get thrown in and it's like you're interacting with the second or in some cases even the third generation of superheroes in that universe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a much sort of brighter version of it, at least at the beginning. It's way more in line with like classic, like silver and even Bronze Age comics where it has like the melodrama and the angst but also is willing to be silly and, and have fun. Um, even though it can, you know, as we see towards the end of this, like turn on a dime and be like really violent and brutal as well. I mean, that Omni-Man mm-hmm. invincible fight is still just like, I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of tough to look at sometimes like it is cartoony, but it is really violent. Oh yeah. Um, and it's especially hard because like, you know, it, start you see their relationship and that that those two characters have and then to see how quickly omni-man just like can turn on a dime and like eviscerate his son is kind of especially the stuff with like the stuff he says about his wife and just like oh she's like a pet to me kind of thing and just like yeah and like i mean her whole her whole journey or arc in this in in the stuff we read is just like it's heartbreaking right the the, the stuff she's going through and, and how she's trying to cope with it um yeah yeah it's one of those things where like at the same time going back and reading this like it's a little unclear how like omni-man it's a little unclear how much he's even convinced himself of it Mm -hmm. like because like he does like beat invincible within like an inch of his life but then he doesn't kill him right like he leaves he just leaves at the end yeah uh and the and the whole time like mark is trying to say like Oh well, you don't mean that. Like you're you're lying. You've lied about everything else. Like how do I not know you're not lying about this? And he yeah. admits he himself admits that like he did lose track of like his mission to to conquer yeah. Earth. Yeah. And so there's there is kind of a, a gray area to his character, at least yeah. at this point in the comic about you know how 
much he's actually committed to that versus and the way know, any commitment to to his wife and kid. Yeah, and, like, and the way he talks about it though is like, yeah, you know, for a while there, I was sort of like believed that, but it's such a small portion of his life because mm-hmm. you yeah. know he lives for so well, many so many years. So that is one of the interesting ways that the Superman analog is kind of deployed because this does come up every once in a while in Superman stories that you know he will outlive probably Lois and Jimmy and Bruce and Diana and everybody else but it's not something that they can ever actually grapple with in the DC comics because they no. always they're like every 10 years they're like making the characters younger again and, mm-hmm. and sort of resetting in that sense yeah. so it is kind of like an interesting way to look at that of how like um, you know eventually he does get to a point where he realizes that like he's not aging but you know his wife and his wife is aging and the people in his life are aging. It's there's a, there's a tragic side to him. I, the book doesn't do well, especially early on. Um, and even later to an extent, doesn't really do him a lot of favors in terms of painting him in a positive light. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know, like there are like redeem, there are some redeeming qualities to his character, even, uh, when he, you know, does obviously horrible things, and I mean, um, I, th- I think the turn is good because, like, he is—he does really feel like a father who cares about his his son, and it, you know, uh, up until the point where he makes his big reveal, it seems like he does care about his wife too, and he clearly still cares about his son in there. Well, I mean, you, you know, care about your cats, end. right? So I think he does care about her. It's just like not in the way that a yeah, you know. Person I mean, would he care about another person. He, yeah, he, I mean, he doesn't see her as an equal, and he like literally can't. There's like, like, and he never will be able to. I assume. Do you guys think the the series needs that twist? Because in terms of it's setting it apart from other stuff, I feel like it it kind of does. Because otherwise, it's just like, oh, it's a coming of age superhero story with you know, I don't know how many stories we have about like a kid and their dad. Actually, it's probably not that much and especially no, like for a long is... period of time but well someday but we'll I, regret I feel like the twist Batman, is needed which... oh true is <laughs> <laughs> about a kid and his dad uh yeah i i i agree i i think that i would have enjoyed you know both when i first read this and even reading it now i still have that nagging thought of like it would have been kind of fun to go maybe like 20 or 30 issues with uh you know get to meet the guardians and like see what how robert kirkman would have portrayed like the direct dc character analogs and stuff like that i think there's an there's an opportunity there that is lost obviously with with this twist mm-hmm. um but i i do agree at the end of the day that what kirkman decides to do in terms of immediately like shifting the focus onto a new set of characters who are you know they have sort of analogs i mean like the mark to Peter Parker analog is, is pretty close in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's uh, the detective who is basically the question, um, yeah. you know, th- th- there are those other, there are there's- those other characters, but like moving into something that's more where Miller or Miller, Jesus, where Kirkman has more like creative freedom to, to work with his own characters and paint on his own canvas. I think, was a smart decision both from a storytelling perspective, but also from the perspective of like establishing himself as a writer um, that he wasn't just like trying to, you know, rip off, like for lack of a better term, rip off like existing 
IP and characters and instead could like do his own thing with original characters and original stories. And so much of the story is about like, you know, the like Omni-Man species and that mm-hmm. does become like obvious. I, as you can probably surmise, like that becomes like a major plot is point. Back? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the last time you see Omni-Man isn't in issue 11 or whatever. That's crazy. I, uh, something that I really appreciate about Invincible as opposed to uh, Watchmen, which I have read and I haven't read the boys, but I have watched a considerable amount of the TV show at this point, And I've seen some of what the art of the comic for the boys looks like. And I've read horrible things on wikis that, uh, you know, sometimes I do wish I had some brain bleach, but um, something that I appreciate, appreciate about invincible, like in comparison to both of these works is that like invincible still is like, like stylistically it's not trying to be that like realistic and gritty like and not that being realistic and gritty is bad it's just i like that even though this is like a like more grounded take on a superhero book and it does have this like super violence or whatever it's also like everybody's in like brightly colored costumes and like not everything has to kind of try to look like how it would if it were happening in the real world yeah you know what i mean 100 percent. and i think i think part of that is that unlike some of the the books we're comparing it to like you know watchmen and the boys Mm -hmm. uh and you know, other books out there. It's not like, it's not Kirkman reacting to something. Um, like Watchmen is about, you know, Alan Moore's thesis that like superheroes are like intrinsically fascistic and the, yeah. the, the genre leads there. And, you know, the boys is uh, Garth Ennis, like being in his feelings about nine 11, you know, like these are, these books are about things that are much bigger than, than just what you see on the page. Yeah. Uh, in the case of Watchmen for better. And in the case of the boys, definitely for worse. Oh, yeah. um, but in the case of like uh, invincible, even though it is trading in those, ter- those su- terms of like superhero comics, uh, like Kirkman's not really trying to say something about superheroes or, or the genre no. writ large. He's just telling like, a, a st- an engaging really. story, right? He's just yeah. sort of like, you know, like, what if what if Superman was evil, but, like, yeah, not... But- but not like with any sort of imp- like implications about that. And, and it's not even trying to say that like, oh, Superman is unrealistic because X, Y, Z, which is yeah. like, so like, it's not even like an, an injustice situation where it's like, oh, Superman snap. It's just like, well, no, like what if Superman just instead of coming from a dying race of crypto, like of Kryptonians, like what if he came from a race of what people? What if he's your own like, purpose? Yeah. Conquerors. Yeah. So it's just like a totally like different take on the character. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, I think in some ways that works out for Kirkman because he's able to tell a story that's like way more his own um, than some of those other books that some of some other like uh, creator-owned sort of more independent superhero comics, which often you know even something I really enjoy like Jeff Lemire's Black Hammer, a lot of it does come back to like he's trying to like comment on 
superhero comics and the state of superhero comics and the industry and all of that. And he, he tells a great story in that as well, but like, it, it's so heady that like, you can't really give it to a first time reader and be like, read Jeff Lemire's black hammer. They're not really going to get a lot of it. I just, Whereas I, with this, it's like, it's super accessible. It's, it's yeah. for, for new readers. I, I appreciate that. Like it is, it is trying to be like, a slightly more grounded version of a superhero story, but like not so grounded. It's not even really, it's grounded in the sense that it's like more about the character drama than it is about the superheroes. Like there's so many issues where you see like, it's like all like Mark and, and, and even Mm -hmm. the, and, and the sort of love, the early love triangle with, I think her name is Amber. Yes. Um, like there's that. And then like, there's two pages where Mark goes out and with on patrol with other superheroes and beats the shit out of, uh, uh, and beats the shit out of like some super villains. Yeah. Um, but even that is not so atypical for superhero comics. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, uh, I guess like, it- that's why the ultimate Spider-Man thing comes. And even like a lot of like, well, not this era of X-Men that was like contemporary with this, but yeah. like X-Men, like a, the Claremont X-Men book and, even later, like the Jason Aaron X-Men books and stuff like that is a fundamental part of superhero comics yeah. at this point, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it's like, interesting that at this time too, like you're looking at you know, things published by image comics. And this is like, I think a year after why the last man started and advert. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I guess, independent stuff. But I, I somewhat independent. Um, but I was a little bit worried just knowing that, like, okay, this came out in 2003. I've read stuff that's come out around that time that's really not aged well. Like, specifically that era. Like, I feel like stuff in the 90s, you know what you're going to get. You know, 80s as well. But the early 2000s is just like... Yeah, I didn't actually realize that this started coming out in 2003 until I was making the notes for the show. Because I just, like, didn't think to check... <laughs> And I feel like I would have been much more concerned going in uh, if I had known the year because it really is like the those like the first five years of the early 2000s, any comics that came out like it's really a wild card as to what sort of content you may or may not encounter. It is crazy because Eric Larson, uh, who's known for like Savage Dragon, he's one of like the original image, image comics group does like the intro for volume two, he like writes the forward for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's actually true. Cause I think Tom Brevoort does the forward for volume three. And I think it continues after that with some of those early image comics guys mm-hmm. who like talk about how like Kirk and uh, Larson specifically talks about how like he knew Robert Kirkman cause Kirkman was a huge fan of his image stuff, mm-hmm. which makes it all the more surprising that when you actually read invincible, it is, nothing like the sort of like 90s image comics like i think even kirkman would say like that's where his influences came from Mm -hmm. but he produced something that is like very different like it and and i think it's for the better like yeah there's there's not like you know no one says a slur in the first three volumes of this which is like yeah for a book from 2003 it's like when am i gonna see the r slur when is someone gonna say the f word like like one of these things has to be in here i know like it's just the worst that happens is when uh william asks uh mark to take him flying mark is like this is so oh this is so yeah yeah. and like that's literally the worst like that 
that I remember reading in these three volumes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like it's it, it's kind of funny how Invincible has this reputation now for being this really like edgelord kind of thing. But at the beginning, it wasn't like, it, like, yeah, like, okay, it's violent, but like super, it's not, yeah. it's not any more violent than a superhero comic. It's just that you actually see a little bit of blood and gold. That, a little yeah, more blood and gold. Actually, I was like, gonna maybe, I was gonna kind of say something about that earlier that like, it's not necessarily that I, I guess it, it seems like, uh, Invincible is more grounded than other superhero comics, but only because like you're seeing what would and I would say that like Invincible has like more blood than necessarily would be realistic. But like in terms of like, you know, regular superhero comics not seeing that much blood, like you're seeing what would be a more realistic amount of blood for the types of violence that superheroes are able to perpetrate like i watched the clip of the that the twist from the end of mm. season of episode one like at the well we were talking about at the beginning yeah and like the comic does get there in terms of gore but it takes a while uh yeah, before I, the comic gets to that level of, which like i'm not yeah. against gore but like it, it's it's just funny how much the reputation of this book has changed over time given like you read this and you could give this to like, you know, you could give this to your like middle school aged niece or nephew or whatever, you know, yeah. like you could give this to a 12 year old in the same bundle with like ultimate Spider-Man and like the eighties, like run of teen Titans or whatever. Like this yeah. could be someone's intro to comics, to like superhero comics. Honestly, yeah. um, and now it has, now it has this reputation as being like, this is for grownups and it's, it's edgy and violent and, bad stuff happens uh which yeah i wish it had never gotten that reputation well it's kirkman's fault that it has that reputation it's not unearned but it it's sure things were better we we used to we used to have good superhero comics we used to have proper comics yeah i mean we still do but not you know yeah not as many um before we go to the next question i have to pee really bad because i drank an entire beverage while we've been recording there was something so, really funny in the comic when the um watch you, you, you can go emily this is just... no oh no i want to hear what you have to say first oh okay it's it's the guy who's the stand-in for the question which is you know the stand-in for that roshak type character who's like so smart and do, doing all the clues and uh-huh. after like everybody knows that omni man like did this murder and left he's like i think i know who who the person who killed the who killed the Justice League stand-in is. And everyone's like, yeah, we saw the news. He's like, fuck. Because <laughs> he like, clearly doesn't like check the news or go on the internet. He's doing everything like sneakily well, behind. Really funny, Which makes him a great like stand-in for the question because the question is probably not a guy who like reads the newspaper. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Invincible occasionally repeats panels or reuses its own art to the point that there is a joke about it in a third volume. How do you guys feel about this? Does it does it bother you? Like like what are your I didn't even I didn't even notice it at all until they made the joke and then I was yeah? like, oh, okay. Like if you were someone who's drawing monthly comics, you know, on a monthly schedule, I'm fine if you reuse half the pages. Like whatever. Like, you know what? That's fine. That's fine. Uh, I, it's, it's yeah. 
I, I agree with that. If uh, they don't want artists to reuse pages, then you should be okay with waiting longer between issue releases. I, I I'm fine with it. I oh yeah, hundred percent. Think the joke is. I think the joke is funny when when they do it. Uh, I think it's like kind of weirdly shoehorned because that whole sequence of him going to the comic book signing is like feels kind of out of place, but the the it, it's a setup for a, fun, a a joke that i that i like and uh i i don't mind that it that they read it almost feels like someone won a contest and was like you get into the invincible book here you go yeah i i didn't necessarily mind it i noticed it before the joke was made but like i was just you know again like if you're putting out that much uh every month you know like or whatever you know like you you do what you can you uh work smarter not harder uh as far as i'm concerned but i did i i like i think the joke is funny but i also like part of me kind of wishes that they like hadn't acknowledged it and just like just did it like just kind of like own it you know like and i guess like making a joke about it is also like kind of owning it in a way but i don't know i like that was something when i was uh skimming through uh people talking about uh the first three volumes of uh this comic i saw a couple complaints about the like reuse of panels and stuff like was that. that also on goodreads it's always on goodreads so i was just i, was I, just, I just assume people on goodreads have like one and a half brain cells on average oh 100 percent. i just you know like if i see more than one person complain about a thing i'm at least interested to hear what you guys think feels like a cinema sins ass complaint to me if i'm being <laughs> honest like find if you find something real to complain about like yeah especially because like so much of the time, like the you don't need to if if you're gonna have a long like a, a a one or two page scene where like characters are talking to each other and their facial expressions are all of a sudden changes their facial expressions. Like, why would you make more work for yourself if it's not necessary? No, absolutely. You know? It's not like like if you compare it to other visual mediums like film or TV. Like, if there's gonna be a, a sequence where characters are having a conversation, like they're probably gonna have like. Obviously, there are some cases where this isn't true, where you would want to move the camera around yeah. and get different shots for different parts of the conversation or whatever. But, like, there's plenty of times where, like, the camera is just still pointed at somebody's face and they're just reacting. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, yeah. I, I know that, like, I, I've heard this complaint used, deployed before. And, like, I so I know, like, comic book readers are sensitive to it. There's always, like... But it is one of those things where it really feels like people who have like no artistic talent or skill like will just complain about people who do being lazy. hundred and ten percent. Because yeah. they think it's easy. And to those people, as somebody with no artistic talent, like, I don't know, maybe you should try drawing a monthly comic book before you right? start, you know, bitching. No, no. Something to say you can't complain about bad art in comics. There's plenty of bad art in comics, but like reusing panels is like so far from anything I would consider to be like, yeah, lazy or bad. Yeah. You have like, there are actual like people tracing things in comics that like, I mean, we, yeah, we read Darth Vader like for the last episode where, you know, and that's not the artist's fault either. That I think was an editorial thing that they were told. No, I I was thinking more of, it wasn't, there was some guy that like got, 
that has been like caught over and over like tracing shit for uh comics but i don't remember who the fuck i'm talking about i'm sure like i as soon as this episode is over i'll remember who who i was talking about but um anyway yeah no i i don't really give that much of a shit uh i i think you know like i said work smarter not harder like putting out monthly comics putting out comics on any schedule is difficult so you know like you do you do what you can um my but i do have a real complaint which is um why does robert kirkman feel the need to cram so many words into every single individual speech bubble this is also this is a complaint that i remember that i know is very common uh in like the comic book, mm-hmm. like people who read comics, I remember this complaint about Invincible mm. a lot. Look, it's not uh, even that the dialogue it, in Invincible is difficult to read. It's just like when I physically look at the page and I see that many words in a single speech bubble, like there is a part of my brain that's like, oh god. It it's one of those things where like fundamentally, like as a there's like a kind of a rule of thumb with superhero comics that you shouldn't do that because you know the appeal is like you have these flashy characters with mm-hmm. cool costumes who in theory are like fighting cool shit so you shouldn't be like wasting page space on text uh which i'm sympathetic with to a degree because i also think that but also i think that a lot of the times you know when people make that complaint they're not their complaint isn't so much like the f- structural one about like the nature of superhero comics it's more that the text on the page is bad uh and in this case for the most part it's not but i do agree that like there is a problem where like kirkman's characters often do talk in paragraphs uh which you know it's not that that's an unnatural cadence necessarily but you do have a, a good point that like to a degree some of these people are just like yapping for what if they were talking in person like what would be like three minutes on end and i know i do that all the time on the podcast but like hopefully in conversations with people i'm not you know monopolizing the time like that it's just like Um, i don't know like i feel like there could be just some way artistically to break up because a lot of pages in Invincible don't really have that many panels per page. I feel, and, and I know this would be like making more work for the artists and I'm like sympathetic to that, but like there could be a way to like visually break up some of these like big walls of text in speech bubbles to where it doesn't just look like I'm reading a a big like i I, i'm reading a a paragraph next to a close-up of someone's face because they're talking so this is um you kind of end up in a catch-22 with this scenario though because like one of the uh like sort of formal elements that is often used by comic book writers is that they put these big text boxes and like long conversations and expository dialogue like in the middle of big action scenes so there's something else going on in the page yeah okay i don't know that also sucks because then like you end up in this position where like i want to see the cool fight scene i don't want to have like the page like this is something that like we used to criticize a lot on the old podcast when we were reading monthly books was that like 
there's some cool art going on on this page. I wish I could fucking see it because of all the text boxes. I get that. So it's like, it's kind of like you're, 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 you're kind of in a bind either way because the alternative is this, which like when you're reading a superhero comic and you just have like page after page of dialogue, you're like, all right, can we, you know, come on, come on, let's, let's get to the, let's, 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 let's get past this. But so much of it comes down to just like, am I enjoying what I'm reading? Yeah. And I think Kirkman's dialogue is good enough that I, it's not something that I'm like consciously thinking of or that's taking me out of it. At least personally, I know that's like not going to be the case. No, I I will admit, like I said, Um, like it's not even that the dialogue is like difficult to read or like not enjoyable to read. It's just like, I, it just visually, like when I look at a page and like, it's mostly just like close ups on two people talking to each other. And there's like one big, text bubble in the middle of the panel like there i just wish there was maybe a like there's got to be some middle ground between that and like having big expository dialogue in the middle of action scenes it it does kind of get to like some of some of the writers of like this era like bendis vaughn kirkman like were trained as like screenwriters as opposed to comic book writers. And like Uh when you're a screenwriter, you can write this long dialogue because like the characters are actually moving on the screen. Like their faces are moving. They're walking around. The camera can move. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can portray movement in a comic through the art. No, actually you're looking at static images. So it's a little bit, you saying that he was trained as a screenwriter, like makes a lot of sense. I'm pretty sure I, 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 I should, probably actually uh, yeah, fact check I mean, that, you know, but i'm pretty like, sure that's true i'm pretty sure that's true that that would um, make a lot of sense like and it's one of those yeah it's one of those can, things where a lot of times you can tell when someone has like made the jump from like writing novels to writing comics because they do too much dialogue but like and it's really bad yeah but there's that's... something about but there's something about the way that like Kirkman's dialogue comes off slightly less bad so, than like a novelist writing. I will say the dialogue. novelist to comic thing is less that there's too much dialogue and more that there's too much set dressing and explanation of like, like you see something on the page and a telltale sign like it's a fucking novelist is they're describing what's in the art in a text box, which yeah. is yeah. annoying as fuck. Screenwriters, it's the opposite. It's very little of that because they come from a visual medium so they know that like that's being portrayed like that people are seeing what's happening so you don't need to tell them oh there's like a you know wide shot of a planet or whatever Mm -hmm. you don't need that but they do put a lot of dialogue in their books uh yeah yeah. so it's (laughs) it's one of those things where like comics are very close to novels and they're very close to film and television, but they're not actually either of those things. Yeah. And so like you get writers who come from those things and are good writers, but are a little bit uncomfortable. And so there's like elements of comics that are harder for them to like fully pull off. Unfortunately, it seems like, it seems like people don't respect comics enough as a medium that like when they are making the transition to it they don't they don't like take into account the things that you need to do to transition from one i will say for yeah i will say for kirkman i don't think it's that he doesn't respect the medium so much as that's more of a general statement that has nothing to do with kirkman specifically 
I, I think in the case of Kirkman, it's just more that he's doing what he knows. Yeah. And over time, I think he gets better. Uh, it, it's, I would say it's a little bit different from like, especially, I feel like every week I look at new books and there's like a new DC book written by some random screenwriter and it's the worst yeah. thing you've ever read. Um, and those are definitely more like some guy trying to get a paycheck or being like, it would be cool if someone let me write Batman. Well, yeah, no, like um, the thing so. is, is that Kirkman is also like, just, he is also really good at writing. Comics. Oh yeah. Look in from like, probably like, I don't know. Until like 2010, Kirkman was in God mode when it came to comics. Like he 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 wrote like those early like the early issues of Invincible are great. Like Walking Dead is really good for mm-hmm. at least 40 or so issues. Like he is a very good comic book writer. Like I think that this gets lost because that's not the thing that people talk about when they talk about Kirkman anymore for a lot of reasons. Yeah, but like Kirkman is a great comic book writer and, and wrote a lot of really great comics in the, in the early two thousands. And like, you know, there's I mean, a there's reason a re- he kind of has a reputation. He does. Yeah. There, like there's a reason that the walking dead was so popular and uh, yeah. continues to be so popular. Yeah. hundred percent. Like it, it wouldn't um, be the media juggernaut. It, it is otherwise. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. But, um, yeah, uh, so we, we've kind of talked about this. Neither of you have really watched the animated show. No, I'm a little surprised that given Kirk Kirkman's like success with The Walking Dead and everything, that they took him this long to adapt into something. Um, I, I mean, animated does seem to be the way to go. I guess the boys pulled off live action, but I think like I, I think animated is definitely like just fits it really well. Yeah, I I don't uh, I I don't. I would not want to see Invincible live action, I don't think. Superhero stuff in live action in general. Like, I'm not saying it fails 100% of the time. There's a lot of great live action superhero movies. But it's really hard to translate the things that make superhero comics so cool to live action without making like these massive bloated CGI projects that look like shit. Especially, um, yeah. like, if you're trying to go for, like, a like a series as opposed to, like, a movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, just look at a screenshot from, uh, like, Mark Millar's Jupiter's Legacy TV show or Netflix show. Like, it looks terrible. The, the Boys pulls it off because there's, like, a, a sort of... Um, it's it's kind of there's there's a certain degree of camp to the boys that makes it so that like if the costumes look a little fake it's fine because they're not really because supposed they to are look a little natural. fake they are a little fake right like the boys work like the boys pulls off live action in large part because like of the tone and like what the book is invincible would not I don't think be very well suited for it like yeah exactly. I, I, I watched, like, from that one clip I saw, I watched earlier in, like, one of the trailers, I, Emily's right that it does look like the recent DC movies. It moves a little better. Like, it's definitely yeah. not as, like... I, I meant, like, know. from, like, an art style, not no, yeah, ex- an animation. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but, but you nailed it with the art style, which is, in my book, not that, not, like, necessarily a compliment, but it doesn't look horrible. Yeah. It just, it's a shame for something, and this is... The, a problem I often find myself coming back to with comic book adaptations is like my biggest barrier to entry with them isn't necessarily that like they're poorly written or anything like that. It's just that the, like 
the visual they don't translate the visual style and so many of the comics that i love i love in large part because they have unique and interesting visual styles and ryan it's not ryan otley's style on, oh yeah on, no on, really on not screen, at so. all not that I need them to be one-to-one, but, like, it is a little bit of a bummer that it's not stylized in that way. No, I, I can get, I, I can understand that. Like, I, I, I find the visual style of the Invincible animated series, uh, I, I find it pleasant to look at. So, you know, like, I don't, I don't really have a problem with it, but, like, I, I can't say that I wouldn't want it to be something a little more unique, like, ryan ollie's style uh but yeah i i like the tv show i think that it's pretty good uh steven yun does a really good job as uh the voice of mark oh that that's kind of funny that he's in both of the i didn't know it was him he's in both of the kirkman because he's glenn in the walking dead i didn't even I literally at no point have I made that connection, even though I knew he was also Glenn maybe, in the maybe, Dead. Yeah. Maybe Stephen Yen and Robert Kirkman are like drinking buddies or something. Like maybe they hang out. I would love that for them. That, yeah, honestly, that sounds that like sounds fun. Like, but yeah, like I mean, the all of the animated cast, the all of the voice cast for the animated show is honestly like super fucking good. Uh, J.K. Simmons as Omni Man is literally like god tier perfect casting that's great casting seriously he's so good he's so good like and i mean like just jk simmons in general is so good but like he's just like just perfectly cast uh you're you're selling me more on the animated show honestly yeah like talking about the voice cast like the i like i mean it's well animated i think the voice cast does a really good job uh they they change the amber character so that like uh she and uh mark have more of like a pre-established dating relationship and also uh if you somehow have managed to miss they like really changed her character design where she's like black now instead of uh like a generic Mm. like white uh blonde bob cut uh hair girl um and that caused a lot of um stupid uh bullshit online people really don't like the amber character in the animated show because they are racist and misogynist and uh that sucks it also sounds like she has a bigger role because amber is not that much of a factor even beyond like what we read like she's okay yeah no like she she's actually like an active part because like she and mark are like dating dating at the they they do in the comic as well but no but i mean like at the i I mean like at the the beginning yeah Yeah, like like they like it, it, unless I'm mistaken, which I don't think I am, unless, but um, like they they have well, like you've a, never been mistaken. No, I've never been mistaken ever in my life. Um, but they, I'm pretty. They have like an established dating relationship at the time, so like she she's a much bigger presence than in the comic. But also like, uh, because because they made her a bigger character, and also she's a woman of color. Uh, people don't people don't like her and that sucks um but they're wrong and that's fine uh you know plenty of people have bad opinions on the internet but uh i i like the invincible uh animated show i 
even though I haven't kept up with season two, uh, as we are recording, it is on hiatus. It's going to be on uh, mid-season hiatus until uh, early January. Uh, but I am looking forward to watching more of the show and uh, seeing what they do uh, with with the comic. Uh, I, I may even read more of the comic. Who knows? But um I guess that also that that goes into I have heard that the Invincible comic gets bad at a certain point or at least it's not as good or um, I you know I, I've heard I've heard a lot of opinions but mostly that um, mostly not great. So tell I'm, tell us about the moment, Jean Luc. That Jean Luc, what is okay? This so it's it's not it's not one moment. Well, it is one moment that I think is where a lot of people. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Sure, but I want to be clear that for a while, at some point, this book becomes how bad can we make Mark Grayson's life? Like how much can we fuck this guy up and traumatize oh. him and destroy him and make his life horrible. Oh. Um, and it culminates in him uh, being uh, raped by a member of Omni-Man species uh, who like strips him and rapes him and then is impregnated with his child who he then ends up kind of raising. Uh, it's I, the, the faces you're making are, uh, accurate to how I think most people who at some point liked Invincible felt when that happened. Um, and it was like the culmination of like all of the bad shit that Mark Miller had done to, or Mark Miller, Robert Kirkman had done to the character, to, to Mark's character up to that point. And That's that was an, like an where it. An adequate moment for that slip because that yes. does feel like uh, a Mark Millar yeah. moment. It's, and it's a huge bummer because there is this, it's gradual at first and it's the tone shift is gradual at first and it's not, it's fine for a little while because the book does take a darker turn, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but sure. it gets to a point where it does become, it, 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 it falls off that cliff and, and never comes back. Unfortunately. I hate that. Uh, and that's the thing that like, that's why like when everyone was talking about like, Oh my God, like, there's something really bad in Invincible season one, and like nobody was spoiling because it was just when it came out. And I'm like, did they do that in the first? That's what I thought people were referencing because, like, the Omni Man twist is like, I was like, everyone knows the Omni Man twist. That's like the core of the book. Like, I think it's just shocking to anyone. I think it's just the, the fact that's that they that's win. shocking to people is that, they, and and so it the, it was they, a weird disconnect. So, I think it's the fact that they went so like graphic and and long with the. Uh, the reveal in that first episode of Invincible. Is I'm, I'm watching the fight, about. and and the speedster is like he's getting his head like squished in, yeah, it's and he's the punching him so hard thing. that he's broken his hand, and he's still yeah. punching. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 graphic and brutal, but it's like not no, you know, it's no, it's... It, it, and and that is much more in line with some of what happens later on in Invincible. I don't still do you think moments, they'll do, you think but... do it? Do you think they will if the TV show keeps I, going? You think they're gonna have no, that scene? I, I yes, I mean, because maybe, maybe yeah. This happens. Invincible ends about 
I don't remember. This is early in the early hundreds of issues, and Invincible it ends, ends in one eighty six or one ninety or something. One forty four. Oh, I'm thinking of Walking uh, Dead. Walking yeah. Dead is one ninety three, I think. Uh, Invincible ends at one forty four, and because of the proximity to the end, I think this is something that Robert Kirkman probably still stands by. I I know some things about what happens after this. I, my impression is that it doesn't get better, and. I, I think that based on Robert Kirkman's reaction that Emily mentioned earlier to what they do at the end of what the, the Omni Man, how they portray the Omni Man twist scene, I think probably uh, this is something he, that yeah, will happen he in the was, show. He was super, from what I remember, he was like super gleeful about like how edgy it was that they ended episode one with this clip. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, I, I think Robert Kirkman like ha- has written a lot of really good comics, but the, he, he, the, he becomes really infatuated with edginess. This is also around the time that, you know, they're doing, the, they kill Glenn and they do the Negan arc in the walking dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, like these things are lined up. Like it is very much, it was very much like he did these things around the same time. It's, and I don't know, like I, I don't think my impression of both invincible and the walking dead is that like neither of them got better after the points where they just like sort of threw themselves off the edgelord chasm. Uh, So it's kind of a bummer uh, because there's so much good invincible and it it like, I like it sours it for a lot of people Um, like myself included. Like I mentioned up front, like I was like, I don't know if I'll like invincible going back to it, but I did. I went back to it and I still love those first few issues. And I think I'm going to keep reading it. Um, I might finally finish it uh just out of curiosity now that i have been reading the good stuff again and i remember it's good for a long time so it's a shame that kirkman kind of wrote himself in that corner but yeah i i read up to volume four and it's uh it gets kind of silly but in a in a cool cool yeah way. i i also read volume four because i was just you know in the midst of it and enjoying it. And I, I volume four also held up just like, uh, yeah. I, Parallel or multiple versions yeah. of the same person. Like. It really does take a while for it to fall off the, like it, there is a lot of good invincible. Uh, so like there, there, there's definitely a point where like, you can kind of just like stop reading and you will have like a positive impression of invincible. If you go mm-hmm. too far, it's, uh, what I will say is the impression that I get uh, from, I mean, like, I only watched one season of The Walking Dead, uh, so I, I can't really speak to, like, that much of where Kirkman is at, like, for writing for TV-wise. But, like, I something, I, I get the impression that, like, as far as the edginess, it seems like he is is willing to keep embracing like the the violence edgy maybe not necessarily like the uh like sexual edgy so there's like realistically a chance that when it comes to like adapting that part of the comic that like things might not go exactly the way that they were written there's also a way you can yeah there is also a way you can do it where you can still have that scene and it feels like 
you know, you actually tell a like good story around yeah, it sure. rather than it just coming across as like being exploitative and done just for the sake of shock yeah. value, which yeah. that's not the only scene in Invincible towards like the, the back half of the book where it does stuff like that. So, but I, it, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence that yeah. like the way that pe- they, how, the way that they, the, how well the, that the way the Omni Man scene is portrayed. I don't know. It, no, it's I, hard to know. Like I, they should probably steer clear of it in the animated show. But there is a way to do it that isn't as bad. But I yeah. would not really trust people to to. I would not really trust anyone with that because it's very hard. So who yeah, knows? no, I and I don't disagree. I just like it seems like it, just the with the way that like uh, things are taken uh, like culturally in this sort of moment in time it seems more likely that for like a television audience that they that they might uh, steer away from like things of a sexual nature that are that uh boundary crossing versus like the like extensive violence of like murdering all of the justice league you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. So you know, who knows? Um, but I, I am also kind of interested in reading more Invincible. So, like, I, I would be down for doing a follow up episode where we read uh, a few more volumes of Invincible. Uh, I, you know, I, I know we have some, some other stuff in the tank uh, before we get to do that, but uh, I would be down. So that sounds sounds like fun. Um, yeah. And, um, I think that's, that, that about it being bad was my last question. So, um, kind of a dour note to end on, but, well, but not, not, a, well, a, a little bit, I guess. Do you, do you guys hear that sound? Do you, do you, do you hear the Uh-oh. sound of, of the doomsday clock? Uh, this, this is a new segment that we're doing and the doomsday clock signals that uh, is the, the part of the show where we highlight something that made us cry this week because it is crying in the book club and it is time for okay. us to cry. So uh, boys, what, what's something that made you cry this week? Huh. I have I... a thing if someone needs me to go first. Go ahead. Okay, um, the thing that made me cry, um, this is uh, gonna shock absolutely no one, and it's sort of a preview for our next episode, um, the, uh, Scott Pilgrim anime, Scott Pilgrim takes off, um, specifically the moment at the end of the show where, um, the song Scott Pilgrim by Plumtree plays, uh, really i i was not expecting that to happen and that just like for some reason uh hit me very emotionally i i I say some reason the the real reason is that i put that song on the playlist that i made for one of my partners when we started dating so uh and it's like the first song on the playlist so i just like was not expecting to hear the song scott pilgrim by plum tree out of context and but i guess the Scott Pilgrim anime is the most context that it could be in. So, uh, but anyway, I really like Scott Pilgrim takes off. We're going to do a bonus episode about it. Uh, but that, that moment in particular, uh, made me really emotional. So that's my cry face for this episode. Scott Pilgrim takes off made me emotional. Cause it sucks. 
Fuck off. I'm going to kill you with my bare no, hands. I, I like Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Scott Pilgrim Takes Off is pretty cool. I like the part where he took off. I don't know. I, I haven't that's, seen it. That's also my favorite part is the part where he took off. I haven't seen that part yet. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll see it. I have seen it. It's, it's pretty No, funny. No, you've seen that part. It's in like the first episode. Uh, what a twist. So it's someone else who cried this week. Oh, I cried this week. Oh, I cried this week. Yeah. So, um, you know, a few, a few weeks ago, I guess at this point we, um, played, we watched, we read, that's the word. We read a book called Tintin and the Blue Lotus, you know, a good old, good old book from the olden days. Um, and I recall that they released a Tintin game, which is an adventure game. You kind of going through and you're, 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 you're being the, the journalist. You have your dog Snowy by your side going on adventures. And this was adapting Tintin and the Cigars of the Pharaoh, which is the book that actually leads into Tintin and the Blue Lotus. So oh. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to buy this game being a Tintin head. Um, before I did, I did do research and the game was released and there were no reviews out. And I was like, why would there be no reviews out? Uh, because the, the developers put out a statement a few days before and they're like, the game is not finished, but please buy it. We will do many updates in order to make the game finished. We're also already um, working on the next game, Tintin and the Blue Lotus. So please support us. It was it's just sign. like, what? What, 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 do you, what do you mean? Um, and then against my bet, I wasn't going to buy it, but then I saw it on sale for half off and I'm like, okay, well, I, I must, I must. And, uh, I've, I've been playing probably about an hour and a half of gameplay in, um, and I played a little bit with Jean-Luc and it is, it's bad. It's bad. Unforged. Um, it, it looked miserable when Alex was streaming it to me in discord and it <laughs> looked like one of the most horrible ways you could spend time. So, the, you know, the humor is good. The charm's nice. People talking is good. The gameplay, it's either. My favorite part be... of the people talking is when you hear voice lines of the people in the next room that you're not supposed to hear yet oh in the room God. that you're in because no. the game is uh, held I'm together the by spit I'm and the glue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of things. The thing is, there's a lot of bugs. Like there was, I needed to find a crate to stand <laughs> on to finish this part of the level. And it was just invisible. Like I. I knew there was a crate in the room because I used it earlier. And then when I needed to use it, I like walked up to the space and nothing was there. And then I clicked the button and it, it was like, press R1, which is the button that would show up if it was there. And it was like, oh, it's just invisible. Like it's just out. And then when I broke out of there, it was supposed to be a ship and it was just blue. And then my character, that was that was the whole thing going on. Oh my but God. beyond that, the actual gameplay, it's all quick time events for like combat or running. And they're very long. Or it's like stealth missions where you're either playing as Tintin or Tintin's dog. Mm -hmm. Um, The the dog stealth missions looked like I would throw my controller out the window if I had to play one of those. But I did get farther and I got to the actual like uh, pyramid stuff. And there's actually like cool puzzles. So like they clearly in the first part of the game, they were like, this is not where our budget is going. This is not where our time is going. Um, it's it's gotten better, but we'll 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 see. I hear there's a game breaking bug like twenty minutes from where I am, so I don't know how far I'll get. But that's my long my long space of crying. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> yep. John Luke, what made you cry? Uh, being forced to watch Alex play the new Tintin game. No, uh, no. I I uh, I saw a movie called The Holdovers, which I. 
I want to see this. It's really good. It's it. I actually didn't think I was going to like it because uh, I like I, I hadn't seen any trailers or anything, but I saw like it, it was getting some buds on on Twitter. And then I like looked at the uh, like plot synopsis and the cast and, and the director and stuff. And I was like, eh, I don't know if this will be my thing, but I went and saw it because it was getting really positive reviews. Um, and it is very funny. Uh, and it is also very heartfelt. I, I cried, I laughed, you know, etc. The full spectrum of emotions. It's very good. Uh, Paul Giamatti's performance is incredible. He's in- extremely funny. See, uh, I, I, I knew Paul Giamatti was in it, and I kept hearing people say that it was really good. So uh, that's all I've got. I, I don't know where they pulled the the actor who plays the kid from. I went to his IMDb and it's like nothing except the holdovers. Like, I don't know where they found this guy, but he is incredible. Incredible. Uh, Devine Joy, uh, Joy Randolph, who has uh, been in a few things lately, um, like the last few years, uh, is great. Uh, it's uh, very, it's very fun, but it's, it's very also like a very heartfelt kind of holiday season movie. Uh, so I highly recommend it. I think it's probably still in theaters in some places. It's still in theaters here. I think it's, it's still in theaters where I am. I would, I'm I would definitely recommend. Yeah. I would definitely recommend going and seeing it in theater. It's not like a movie that like really benefits from being uh, seen in theaters, but I would like it to make a lot of money as much money as possible. It's, at the box office because it's a good movie. And going to theaters is awesome. Um, I didn't cry during Godzilla minus one, but that was fucking sick as hell too. Oh, that's so. also in theaters near me. So they extended yeah. the theatrical release of it too. I just uh, heard about another, that. The U.S. theatrical release, so should uh, people should go see it. Uh, I, I assume I'll also probably cry again this weekend when I go see The Boy and the Heron, uh, but which oh, also right. theatrical release this weekend. Let's go. I hear oh, it yeah. sucks. Uh, Shit, uh, yeah, Alex. shut the fuck you, fuck you, Alex. Not all of us can live in places that have like <laughs> major now? international oh, film okay. festivals. <laughs> you know, the funny thing was, I was in Japan when uh, Godzilla minus one was coming out too. So uh, you could have seen it. Yeah, just Alex me. told me the story of how he and his fiance were going to go see Godzilla minus one, and then they were like, "Eh, this probably sucks." We, I mean, no, it wouldn't have been the titles. It was, it was like, I, I hear there's a lot of like, like there's a real human, like personal, like a lot of talking stuff going on. So like we could, I still think it would have been cool to see Godzilla in the theater though. You know, I, I will still see. You still can, theater, but, like, but, but it is, it is, you do really want the subtitles for that movie unless you're fluent in Japanese, in which case, you know, I don't think I am. Anyway. You would but, not get subtitles in a Japanese theater. I'm going to be honest though. The parts where Godzilla fucks shit up are just pretty cool. So. Yeah, I'm pretty hyped. I I found that hard to believe that you can you would not be able to find English subtitled movies in Japan. Oh well, no, okay. Yeah. I mean, it would depend on the movie. I don't think for Godzilla minus one, you would have an easy time finding English. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be easy, but like, would it be impossible? Maybe not. But like, just in Japan, like most things are not set up for people who speak do not speak Japanese. It's like, yeah, I mean, it, things are, I mean, in the major cities, I feel like it's like, it's like very manageable and stuff, but it's not like catered to you, which it, is, yeah, you know, no, it's fair. It, it's, it's, it's 
it's yeah. doable, but like it's definitely not set up for you to navigate. Like, didn't we make them a client state after World War II? Can't we exert some cultural influence over there? <laughs> that's America, what, that's what, am I right? That's what Godzilla minus one is about. Um, Heck yeah! That's what I hear. No, I don't actually believe that. I denounce the things that I just said. I can. Uh, no, too late. You can't. You can't do that. If nope, you, they're condemned. If you would like to follow this show on the internet, you could do that at Crying Book Club on Twitter. You should rate and review us five stars on your podcasting platform of choice if they allow you to rate and review things. Uh, John Luke can be found on Twitter at Mountain Dew Liker or on Letterboxd at JL Botville. Alex can be found on Twitter at Alex Hansiak, and I can be found many places twitter at impandanata letterbox and twitch pandabore Pan- the following podcasts imagine me and you to know the fresh podcast market and that looks terrible i and- saw there was some utina drama um yeah so i uh, just the the brief thing is that so the new h bomber guy video came out and a at least half of the video is dedicated to taking down one specific YouTuber uh, by the name of James Summerton who did uh, queer analysis videos that were almost entirely all plagiarized. And specifically the reason that this became interest of interest to uh, Utena Twitter is that James Summerton had uh, an unreleased Patreon exclusive video about revolutionary girl Utena that uh, by all accounts, sucks absolute shit and i'm gonna be covering it on imagine me and yutana uh because i'm a glutton for punishment and even though i'm gonna dread watching this video this was my idea so i have no one to blame but myself so uh that's the end of our show guys (laughs) goodbye that is the end of our show goodbye bye